Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. Taking possession. Fully experiencing. Walking in. Manifesting. God's plan, purpose, and provision for our lives. That is our inheritance to walk in his plan, to walk in his purpose, to walk in his provision, to experience all that he has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, to walk in all that he has given to us through the finished work of his son. Our inheritance, we've learned a lot in this series, has been very powerful, and I, I hope you're participating Remember how this works, right? God establishes local bodies of believers, people who, who are pursuing him. And then he calls five-fold ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, to equip and build up and strengthen and encourage the people in that body so that you will be, you'll leave here stronger every time we meet, so that you will gain a greater understanding of his love for you, of who he is, of what he's done for you, and who you are in him. All right? So I, I've got a part to play in this, and you've got a part to play in this. My responsibility as, a, as one of the, uh, the five-fold ministry gifts is to, to give my whole self to him every day. And to let his word come alive in me. I don't preach theories. Everything I'm preaching to you, I, I, I'm preaching it to you because it's been a part of my life for years. I don't preach any theories. Now, you can preach the word of God whether you've experienced it or not because it's true. But it's God, he gave us his word so that we would experience it. So when you've got the truth of, of God's word being experienced in your life, when you're applying it consistently and seeing the results of it, you become a living testimony. You become a living epistle, a living stone. Hallelujah, the glory of God. So my part is to, to stay intimate with him and to receive from him the word he has for you. And to bring that to you, what is your part, is you're to stay intimate with him during the week, right? You're to cultivate an intimacy with him for your own personal life and in, in your, your family. And then you're to, to continue pursuing him and come, come ready to eat. Come ready to receive what the Lord has from you. And you've got to train yourself to receive. Right? You've got to train yourself to, to focus on what the Lord is saying. So all of the scriptures that we share with you each week, grab a hold of those. Make note of the book, the chapter, the reference. You know, John 1.11 
Psalm 138.8. These are treasures that will change your life. But how do you, what's your part? Grab a hold of them, fully participate, because it's the Holy Spirit who's working among us. This is his system of strengthening us. It's called a local church. And this is how it works. We're, we're doing our part, and we're fully participating, and he's doing his part in us, right? Hallelujah. Taking possession of our inheritance. We, we've learned in this series that our inheritance, all that God has done for us and given to us through his son, is recorded in the Bible. We don't have to wonder about it. We don't have to listen to what man says about it. It's written here. And, and I encourage you regularly to get a hard copy Bible. Yes, I've got a ton of translations on my phone. I don't even know how many. Maybe 50. I don't know, a lot. And I got a bunch on my laptop. I don't even know how many, a lot, right? Uh, both obviously online, and I've got software installed on my hard drive. I got a bunch of it. But I need my hard copy Bible because there are no batteries in this, and I can open it and I can see a whole lot of real estate at one time. And I will get, I will, you'll know the word better if you've got a hard copy Bible, okay? So your main Bible, you want to be a hard copy Bible, and you want to eat the pages of this book. You want to tear them off, chew them, and swallow them, all right? You want this book to become your very own. In the pages of this book, of your hard copy Bible, you will see your inheritance revealed in two ways. Number one, through the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. That's all throughout the Bible, but specifically in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Okay? The second place you will find your inheritance described are in the promises of God from Genesis to Revelation. Because of what Christ did for you, every promise that God has made is amen to you. It's stamped with a big fat yes. You don't even have to ask God for it. You can just thank him that it's so in your life. Amen. So in order for me to get in and drive my inheritance, in order for, for me to move in and live in my inheritance, I've got to hear about it. Then I've got to believe it. Then I've got to act on it. Very simple. How can I believe it if no one's telling me about it? That's one of the reasons, a big reason I'm in your life is to tell you about your inheritance. We say it this way at Highway Church. Who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. The three W's, okay? Who Jesus is, what he's done for us, who we are in him. You've got to hear about it, and you can't just hear about it once. You need to be plugged into a steady stream of this good news. That's what the local church is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a political organization. It's not supposed to be a social organization. It's supposed to be a place where people are plugged into the stream of the good news of heaven. Hello. Where you're hearing about the fullness of who Jesus is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him. Right? Not religious tradition. Not what I think. Not what my daddy thinks or my granddad. Right? Or my cousin. Or my uh, Aunt Betty but what the Lord has done, right? Yeah. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 
And let's start in verse 12. We doing okay this morning? We're better than okay. We're doing great, aren't we? Hallelujah, because God is our Father. We've been born of His incorruptible seed. We're not losers. We're not failures. We're very significant creatures. We're made in the image of God for His glory to accomplish His plan in the earth. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Let's start here. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world. Boy, we see the spirit of the world uh, is preaching all kinds of things, don't we? It always has to do with fear, stress, unforgiveness, uh, grievances. But that's not the spirit we're of. We haven't received that spirit. But we've received the spirit which is of God. Same spirit that Jesus operated in, Right? That we might know, K-N-O-W, that we might be sure and certain of, that we might experience the things that are freely given to us of God. Knowledge is of no benefit to you if you're not experiencing it. I don't know, sometimes we can get in this funny mode where we're just after knowledge, but we're really not experiencing it. What good is that? I don't, I don't want to know how to drive a car if I don't have a car. I want to get in and put the pedal to the metal. Hello, right? Knowledge is meant to be used. It's, it's, it's instruction so that you can walk in it and experience it. This is meant for you to live it, to walk in it, experience it, just like, just like Jesus did. Hallelujah. Which things, spiritual things, things of the Holy Spirit, verse 13, also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. So important. But which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, so important to understand this. But the natural man, in other words, the person with their mind set on natural things, the five senses, natural reasoning, receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness. This is so big. God has never been foolish. He doesn't know how to be foolish, right? He's perfect wisdom. But if I'm caught up in natural reasonings, sense knowledge, as we've talked about in our series, the things of the Spirit of God are going to look foolish to me. I'm going to criticize and make fun of them. I'm not going to participate in them. Wow. Isn't that amazing? For they are foolishness unto the natural thinker. Neither can he know them or experience them. The natural-minded person cannot experience his his or her inheritance. It will just seem like a foolishness. Many have, have criticized the message that I'm preaching and so many others over the centuries, all the way back to Peter and, and Paul and Mary. <laughs> well, Mary preached too, didn't she? That was an old band from back in the day. Anyway, but this message is highly criticized because there are a lot of natural-minded believers. 
that become very critical when, when someone like me says it's God's will for you to be healed, for you to be healthy and strong. That raises a lot of red flags in natural minds. When they say it's God's will for you to prosper financially, that Christ became poor, that you might be rich. The natural mind just can't understand these things because they're spiritually discerned. They're foolishness unto him, neither can they know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is judge of no man. You've got to settle this in your heart and mind. People are not, there are people that just will criticize you and not accept you no matter what you do. <laughs> That's just the way it's going to be. And I don't care how sweet you try and be, how, how much you try and gain their approval, they're just not going to accept you. Jesus told us that we will be persecuted for believing him. So why do we try and get out of that? Right? People are, are going to say bad things about you. People are going to make up stories about you. Do you have that t-shirt yet? I've got a few of those. Things people said about me that I didn't even know I did. Right? Because I didn't. Or that I said and I didn't say. Why? Because it's, it's the spirit of the world to create controversy, to defame others. Right? I've seen it over and over again. They'll take a 60-second clip from a preacher's video and put it online, and then they'll prepare commentary around it to make that preacher look like a, a criminal. But they've never listened to a full message from that preacher. They, they have no idea who they're criticizing. And if they would, their life would be changed. Right? We're not, we're not uh, critics. We don't criticize and condemn others. We build people up. Right? Someone's preaching Jesus Christ. We say, preach it louder. Right? Tell, tell about everything that Jesus did. Tell people he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Tell them that the Jesus Christ that walked in Galilee will live in you if you'll just believe. Hallelujah. So as we're possessing our inheritance, we have to realize that it's, a, it's essential to become spiritually minded. It's not being weird, not being weird or goofy, but keeping our mind on the Word of God and the Spirit of God. All right? Regardless of what anyone thinks of us, you will lose friends. I'm just telling you, when you start being spiritually minded. But that's okay. Those aren't friends you need anyway. You still love them, but there will be people who will leave your life when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You start praying in tongues. The gifts of the Spirit start operating in your life. You start experiencing miracles. You start rejoicing instead of despairing. That will turn some people off. And that's okay. I'm not, I'm not throwing stones. I'm just preparing you. But you've got to realize that comes with the territory. All right? And we love everybody. We're not upset with anyone who, who, who would criticize us. We love them. I'm just letting you know you've got to be prepared to go forward in the midst of criticism and rejection. It's part of the territory in this world. All right? So in order to possess our inheritance, we must become spiritually minded. How do we do that? We meditate on the Word of God. We keep Psalm 138, 8 in our mind and our heart. 
and we purposefully plant what he said in our heart and water it every day. You need the word up here, but you really need it down here. You need it both places. Okay? You need it here and here. We've got to renew this mind. If this mind is not renewed, you're going to be very frustrated. If you, so you need the word here. You need to think on the word here. And you need to let it grow here. And God's word, I was talking to Jennifer yesterday about this. I love it. it it's like uh, it just covers everything. So when I'm meditating on Psalm 138, the Lord will accomplish what concerns me, my mind's being renewed, and the truth of that word is being planted and watered and growing in my heart at the same time. Isn't that awesome? It's all taking place when I'm meditating in the word. When I meditate on the truth that he's given me power to be his son, that I'm born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but I am born of God. My mind is being renewed, and that truth is planted and watered and growing in my heart. This is how we become spiritually minded. It's not magic. It's not a trick. You just meditate in the Word. You keep your mind stayed on what God has said. And you, keep your, you give your attention to the Holy Spirit in your daily life. That's a spiritually minded person. Nothing weird about that. This is what you were made for. You were made to fellowship intimately with your God. 24-7. This is the meaning of life. And if you are living for any other reason, I'm going to invite you to make a shift today and to begin living to know Him more intimately every day. Paul said it this way, for my determined purpose is that I might know Him progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with the wonders of his person. That's the meaning of your life. That's why you're on earth. And boy, we can get distracted from that, can't we? We think that life is about the American dream, or life is about having a vacation home, or life is about what people think of me, or life is about rising to a certain level in the industry that I'm in. I'm not knocking any of those things, but you want those things to flow out of intimacy with Him. It's intimacy with Him that promotes us, right? You want everything in your life to, to be an outflowing of your intimacy with Him. Don't put the cart before the horse, right? Hallelujah. So there are two realms of existence we've been talking about. The, the spirit realm and the natural realm. And I put them like this if you're going to think of planes or levels. We, we say the word supernatural. And that word literally means above or beyond the natural. The spirit realm is above the natural realm. It's above the natural realm. So you can live above your circumstances. You can live above the situations you're facing by meditating in the Word of God. 
God's Word will lift you up above the challenges you're facing and cause you to move forward over them. That's the Word of God. That's what we do. We meditate in the Word of God and it lifts us up to do things and see things we couldn't do if we weren't meditating in the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hmm, this is good. Just want to make sure I don't go too fast here. You are a spirit. We may as well just go all the way with Jesus, right? You need to start thinking of yourself as a spirit being. Now, bear with me. We're going to get into some wonderful things here. But by and large, Christianity has, had, has become a very naturally minded thing. What happened? Well, that's a, that's a process. It happens over generations, right? But what Christianity ended up becoming in America was a system of morals. That you can't do this, and this is wrong, and that's right, and we do what's right, we don't do what's wrong. How boring. It was never meant to be that. It was never meant. Do you know God uh, never uh, intended on giving his people ten commandments? That didn't happen to about 2,500 years after he created man. Oh boy, this is going to raise some, get some emails now. God gave the first man and woman he created his word. And it was his plan that they would walk with him, that they'd receive his word and just be who he made them to be. Even up to even Abraham, who lived hundreds of years before the Ten Commandments, God just spoke to him. And Abraham said, yes, I'll leave everything and I'll follow you. I'll take my family and we'll follow you. That's the covenant of faith that, that we follow. And even when, you know, he delivered his people out of bondage and just did amazing things in their life and not one, not, not, uh, not one commandment not, had been chiseled into stone. And he wanted to bring them into the promised land in about six weeks. Ended up taking them 40 years. Why? Because of the hardness of their heart. They, their heart was so hard that, I mean, God split the sea in front of them, and they still complained. And they said, okay, we, we can do this, God. And finally, to get through them, he had to write commandments on stone to show them how much we need him. To point us to our Savior, Jesus Christ, so that we could realize that this was never meant to be an external thing, but it's meant to be an internal reality. And the new commandment says that the law of love is the, is the great law that we walk in. If you'll walk in love, you won't, you won't violate any of the Ten Commandments. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Love works no evil, I think the King James says. I love that. Love is the answer. Not the world's definition. I saw a commercial, uh, hey Siri, what is love? You seen that? Or not Siri, uh, who was that other one? Yeah, Alexa. 
You're going to let Lexa define love for you? That's really sad. That's really, really sad. Lexa is clueless. Oh, Siri's talking back now. Okay, now. Let's see what she said. I'm a big fan of good listeners. Okay. I'm happy for you. I'm just going to turn you off, lady. Seriously, you've got, you've got people asking Alexa what love is. Sad. Jesus Christ is love. Give him your whole life and you'll discover a love like you never thought was possible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Love is our commandment, right? To walk in love, we won't violate any of the ten. Hallelujah. We will do no evil to others as we walk in love. Hallelujah. So in this journey that we're on, in in this desire that the Father has for us to experience our inheritance, we also need to understand not only do we need to be spiritually minded, but there's God's part and then there's our part. Okay? In every relationship, there, there's more than one part, right? In our marriage, there's my part as the husband. There's Jennifer's part as the wife, okay? We need to fulfill our parts, right? You can't have a marriage without a faithful husband. You can't have a marriage without a faithful wife. You need a faithful husband and a faithful wife, right? Very important. Well, in this relationship that we have with God, he has his part and we have our part. And boy, if you don't understand both of those, you're going to get discouraged and frustrated. Because sometimes you'll be, you, you'll be expecting God to do something, but He's given, that's your part. Well, what is God's part? God's part is to provide for you everything. 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 God's part is to give you his everything. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yes, it is. Thank you. And he's done that. We've gone over in this series, right? Second Peter 1, 4. He's given us everything yes. pertaining to life and godliness. That's God's part, all right? Now, see, this is, this is a, a challenging thing. Because naturally minded Christianity has, has given us a different image of God and of ourselves. And taught us that basically we're kind of wormy like, worm-like creatures. And we're kind of just wiggling through life on planet earth trying to figure out how to please God. And hopefully he won't, you know, bring judgment upon us. And if we do everything right. And it's given us this whole different image of God that's just ungodly. <laughs> But we're not worm-like creatures. We're not animals. We're not estranged children. We were made in the image of our Father. You were made in the image of God. Do you meditate on that? You should. When you think of yourself, I'm made in the image of God. Of God. God created you not as a servant. Yes. 
as a son. He created you as his child. To walk with him, to reign with him. He created you as his co-heir. And to co-operate with him. Cooperate or cooperate, as we say. In other words, to work jointly with him towards the same end. To walk with him, to utilize the things you have for the goal that he's given you. I think Brother Jim shared with me a, a, a video interview after the Super Bowl of uh, Cooper Cup. Um, and he. He was uh, the MVP of the Super Bowl, amazing receiver. And one of the games I heard this year, one of the commentators was saying, one of the reasons he's so great is because he doesn't uh, give away to the defender the route that he's about to run. So he's very, he, he controls his movements. He moves in such a way off the line of scrimmage that the defender is unsure which way he's going. And I love what he said, the Cooper Cup in his interview. He said, it's been a great year for me, not because of the games we won. He said, if we didn't win one game this year, I'm just paraphrasing. He said, it still would have been a great year for me because I've realized more than ever that my fulfillment and my joy uh, comes from living my purpose in him. Yeah. Knowing God's purpose for my life. And, and, and living in that. When I'm focused on his purpose for me, I'm free to do what he's called me to do. This is the meaning of your life, to cooperate with God. God, more than anything, in fact, uh, boy, so many scriptures going through me now, and I won't go there, but I think it's in Mark. It says, when Jesus called his disciples, the first thing, he called them to know him, and then it says. But the point being, your first calling is to know him. God made you to know him and to help others know him. That's, what you're, that's why you're on this earth. Isn't it good to know your life purpose? Just to simplify, what am I living for? To know God intimately and to help others know him. That's what I'm all about. That's what you're all about. Hallelujah. That's your job description. Okay? That's your job description for planet Earth. Now, out of that will flow many wonderful things. Okay? So God wants you to cooperate with Him, to work together with Him. His part is called G-R-A-C-E. Grace. We're saved by grace. I love the anacronym G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a wonderful description of grace. Grace is all that the Father did for you through the finished work of His Son. That's God's part. And He did a perfect job of it. Right? God's part is to provide everything you need to be His child. Everything you need to reign in life with his son. And that's why he's given us his word. So that we can walk in the reality of his provision. 
of His grace. Let's look at Acts 20. We're talking about God's part. Acts 20, verse 32. Acts 20, verse 32. We still awake? Someone shout or do something. Come on. Woo! All right, good. Hallelujah. No crickets in this place. Hallelujah. Acts 20, verse 32. Acts 20, verse 32. Listen to this. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. To the word of everything pertaining to life and godliness has been given to you. God's riches at Christ's expense. To the word of His grace which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance. That's what we're talking about, taking possession of our inheritance. It all comes by receiving the word of His grace. What He's done for you through Christ. This should be flowing from every pulpit in the world. It's the gospel. Hallelujah. In fact, Ephesians 2.8, a very famous verse. Let's take a look at that. Beginning of Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. So we've been saved by grace. In other words, God provided total salvation for us before we even knew what we needed. I mean, this verse has changed the world over and over and over again. On the day of Pentecost, in the book of Acts, it changed 120 people, which led to thousands of people. And it went around the world that were saved by grace. So many believers have lost sight of this. And the the message of works has been preached far too much. That once you get saved, now you better keep saved and you better do better than you were before you were saved. Because if you do wrong, you're going to lose your salvation. And and this message of performance and works has been preached way too much. And you got a lot of Christians walking around under very heavy weights that no one can carry. Hallelujah. But we're saved by grace. And I, I, to me, it was a big deal. I grew up in a very strong religious tradition. And I just knew I couldn't do what they were asking of me. It was like endless. You know, you do this thing, they say, and you got to do this. And after you do that, it's like, okay, I give up. You know, I, there's something in me that says, there's got to be a better way than this. I was just a kid sitting in my Sunday school class, or Saturday, whatever day we met. He's just saying, it's got to be better than this. And there was a man by the name of Martin Luther who had a revelation from the Word of God that we're saved by grace. It was there all along, but his eyes were open to it. And boy, did that change the world. Boy, did that flip things around, right? So you've got to understand God's part is to provide us abundant life through His Son. That we're saved by grace. Well, what's our part? We're saved by grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is our part. Grace is God's part. Faith is our part. What is faith? Believing in His grace. (laughs) 
Isn't it simple? So simple. How difficult religion has made it. That's what faith is. It's believing what God has said. It's believing what he's done for us through his son. This is our inheritance. And it's our part. I mean, just religion gets it all crazy. They say God's in control of everything. He does whatever he wants. You just never know what he's going to do. He's mysterious. And then we've got to do these 100,000 things to try and please him. Well, neither one of those are true, right? God's done his part. He's not mysterious. He's perfectly revealed himself through his son. He's told us exactly what he's like. He's told us exactly who he is. He told us exactly what he's done for us. He's told us exactly who we've become through faith in his son. He's not mysterious at all. There's nothing mysterious about him. He's revealed himself through his son. So our part is to believe that. Isn't that wonderful? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Excuse me, Hebrews chapter 11. Then we're going to look at Caleb, my hero, one of my heroes in the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This is our part. Now, when you see faith in the Bible, obviously it's talking about faith in God, more specifically faith in his word. God's word is the expression of his heart, right? So Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Amplified says, Now faith in the word of God. Right? Not just some random, you know, unspecific thing. But what am I believing about God? What am I believing about my situation? What has God said about the situation I'm going to walk into tomorrow? Very, faith is very specific. There's nothing cloudy about it. There's nothing hazy about faith. It's very clear. It's very bright. It's very vibrant. It's very specific. Because it's what God said. That's his part, is to send his word. My part is to receive that and act on it. Faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see. Talking about two realms, right? Spirit and natural. And the conviction of the reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible, faith in the Word of God, right? It is impossible to please Him. It's about the only impossible thing I can think of, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is who He says He is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That he's done what he said he did through his son. So uh, the word of God is major to us. We want to know what he said. And we're going to build our lives on it. This is what we produce at Highway Church. We proclaim the word of God. This is our product as an organization. To give the word of God to people so that they can build their lives on it. This is why we, we, we gather, we breathe, is to know him and to proclaim what he's done through his word, right? So the word of God is really, really important to us. Hearing the word of God regularly is a major priority in my life and my family. We've got to hear it. We've got to, we've got to stay with it. We've got to flow in it. We, need, we bring people into our lives who, who preach 
the grace of God who preached the fullness of the gospel. We listened to their messages over and over again. I mean, what I, I could be working out, I'll be playing a, a message of the gospel. You know, learning about who I am in Christ while I'm doing my exercises or while I'm shoveling snow or, you know, get my AirPods in or whatever. I'm, 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 I need this flow of what God said in my life. It's good to know why you come here. We come here to worship Him, and a huge part of that is receiving His Word. Not, not, not philosophies, but the living, breathing Word of the Father. And we grab a hold of that. We meditate in it, in our minds. We keep it in our heart, and we build our lives on it. All right? Now, let's look at what happened to Caleb. All right? Back in, in the Old Testament. Here they were. They were on the threshold. God's people, through their own stubbornness and rebellion, found themselves in bondage to another nation. It wasn't God's will. They did it to themselves. We've got to stop blaming God for the, for the issues we're facing, right? But God loves us anyway, and it's always His will to deliver us. It's always His will to bring victory to our lives. It's always His will. So He brought victory to their lives. How did He do it? He didn't send an angel from heaven. He called a man. Why? Because angels can't preach to you. God is not going to come to earth during this dispensation and preach the gospel to you. He will come again. Jesus will come again. And then that's the end of the dispensation of grace. But right now in this dispensation, the only one that can tell you who you are in Christ are people. Human beings. So if you're going to pursue him, God will bring people Specifically, five-fold ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers into your life to say to you what God has said. Now, someone might be one of those gifts, but if they're not going to say to me what God has said, I'm not listening. I'll respect them. I won't say anything to them, but I'm just going to, in my own mind, I'm going to stay with what God said. So just because someone has that ministry doesn't mean they've renewed their mind to the fullness of the gospel. Okay, but what I'm talking about is God didn't send angels to deliver his people out of bondage. He sent a human being by the name of Moses, a prophet and a preacher. And do you know that Moses preached Christ? Jesus talked about that. When he was rock, after his resurrection, he, he went back to Moses and the, and the prophets and, and expounded his ministry. So he sent a man to, these, to his people to, let, to tell them it was God's will for them to be free. And they criticized him. Didn't want to listen to him. <laughs> right? Yeah, people don't want to hear the good news sometimes because they're so used to bondage. But he preached it anyway. Well, let's look at Hebrews 4. It's going to describe to us what happened in the Old Testament. Then we're going to read it for ourselves. Hebrews 4, verse 1. So God brought to them a promise of of deliverance, full deliverance. And they came out on the night of their freedom. They came out totally healed and totally rich. In one night. You read it for yourself. 
And then he wanted to bring them into a land that was so abundant, he described it that it was flowing with milk and honey. He's painting a picture of abundance. That's what he prepared for them. And they're on the threshold of that after all their complaining, even as they made their way there, he still was gracious with them. And in verse 1 of Hebrews 4, it says, Let us therefore fear reverent awe of God, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached. It's the New Testament now. As well as unto them. What's the gospel? Healing belongs to you. Deliverance belongs to you. God has made a way for you. Today, that was preached to the Israelites, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Did God do his part? He sure did. Why didn't it profit them then? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. They didn't believe it. That is the ingredient that brings God's Word to life in your life. Faith. This, this book is limitless in power, but you won't experience any of it until you start believing it. They didn't mix the Word of God that was preached to them by a human being. Hello. With faith. Verse 2 in the Amplified says, For indeed we have had the glad tidings, the gospel of God proclaimed to us just as truly as they, the Israelites of old, did when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. That's what the gospel is. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Neither were they united in faith with the ones, Joshua and Caleb, who heard, who did believe. Okay? Which is for time's sake. We're going to go back to numbers now. To numbers. So much here. Numbers 13. Numbers 13. See, all of these examples in the Scriptures are given to us to make us strong. So that we don't repeat the same mistakes they made, right? So that we can learn from their experience, okay? So we, can, we don't have to go through what they went through. We can avoid the pitfalls that they found themselves in. That we can walk in victory. These examples are given to us for our own exhortation. I'm just going to move through this. not going to read it all. But in Numbers 13, 27, and you'll see in Numbers, God instructed Moses... To, to pick the rulers of each tribe, 12 rulers, one from each tribe, to go into the promised land and, and survey it. These were not just anybody. These were the cream of the crop of the nation of Israel. These were their top leaders. These were the rulers of God's people. Are you with me? They, had full, they knew what God had said. They, had, they were the ones who were to be leading God's people into the promised land. All right? They all go, 12 of them, one from each tribe, 
into the promised land. They come back in verse 27 and they, and they say, we came unto the land whither, where you sent us, I'm going to read this in contemporary English, and surely it flows with milk and honey. It's just as God said. Right, And this is the fruit of it. They brought back, uh, it records clusters of grapes that two men had to carry on their shoulders. They were so abundant. Nevertheless, so you're going to see the difference between naturally minded people and spiritually minded people. They were, ten of them were naturally minded. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittite, the Jebusite, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of the Jordan. And they would have kept going, but the spiritually minded person stopped them. What tribe was Caleb a leader of? Do you know? Judah! Judah! What tribe did Jesus come from? Judah. Judah. He didn't come from Levi. He didn't come from the Levitical priesthood. He came from Judah. What does Judah mean? Praise of God. Praise of God. I'm telling you, praise Him in the morning. Praise Him in the noonday. Praise Him in the evening. When you will cultivate a lifestyle of praise, it will open your eyes to see your inheritance. It will open your eyes. You will, you will look right past the giants and you'll see the milk and you'll see the honey and you'll move the giants right out of your way and you will possess what God has for you. So naturally minded people, naturally minded people want to give you a big long narrative of why they can't have what God has for them. They want to tell you about the Malachites, the king, oh, they just want to go on and on and on and, and this and that and this and that. But thankfully, Caleb stands up and he stills the people, spiritually minded. He doesn't say a whole lot. You don't have to say much when you believe in God. You don't have to explain yourself when you believe in God. Stills the people before Moses. He says, let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. That's all he said. What a difference. That's the difference between natural minded and spiritual minded. The natural minded is focused on what everything they can sense with their five senses. Well, yeah, it's 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 an amazing land, but right? right? Spiritually minded, let's go. Let's take it. We're able. Notice he said, we are well able. able. He sees himself as united with God. He didn't say God is able. He said, we're able. Spiritually minded people see themselves as God's very own. They see themselves walking with God, united with God. That God has gone before me. He's walking beside me. He's all around me, and he's mine, and I'm his. We are well able to move forward and accomplish what he's called us to do. Hallelujah. But the men that went up with him said, we are not able. Naturally minded. To go up against the people. 
for they are stronger than we. Right? And they brought, look at what God calls it, an evil report. Unbelief is evil. Not believing what God has said is evil in heaven's sight. There's something about a, there's a holiness about believing God. Help us, Holy Spirit. This is not about who's right or who's wrong. It's about what God has said. What has God said? If I'm going to contradict what God has said, if I'm going to reject what he said, that's evil. Hi, little missy. (laughs) Little lady Z. Wow, that's powerful. An evil report. Now, they they go on to say that these these people in the land are going to eat us up. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. That wasn't true at all. That's how they saw things because they were naturally minded. Let's finish this thing. So, and not only that, everyone starts listening to the evil report. Boy, have we seen that in the last couple of years, right? So many people listening to the evil reports of confusion and fear and unbelief. And what do they do? Their unbelief gets loud. They cry. They raise their voices. They demand that changes come. They want, we want everyone to be miserable like us, Right? And the children of Israel murmured against the man of God that God brought into their lives that just delivered them from centuries of bondage. It's unthinkable, but it happens. Naturally minded is a terrible way to live. So now they're murmuring against God himself because Moses was God's representative. Hallelujah. Boy, I love being united with the King of Kings. And they're murmuring, and and as a result, the whole lot of them died in the wilderness. They never entered into their inheritance because of their unbelief. Except for Joshua and Caleb and their families, right? Now here, we'll finish with this. Woo! In fact... (laughs) Uh, Just scanning down through chapter 14 of Numbers, and let's see. So they basically, um, you know, Caleb speaks up and says, God will bring us into this land in verse 8 and give it to us, the land that flows with milk and honey. Rebel not against the Lord, uh, neither fear the people of this land, for they are bread for us. So the spiritually minded people sees giants as a meal. Naturally minded sees giants as defeat, right? Are you the bread or are you the one eating the bread, right? And look at verse 10. All the congregation bade stone them with stones. That's how, that's, that's how naturally minded people do. They want a stone. There's a, that's a false preacher. It's a false gospel. Poom, poom, throw darts, right? Not, not spiritually minded. Caleb never came against them. He said, let's go. We can do this. But they want to stone Caleb. So as a result, Caleb keeps the Word of God in his heart. He keeps it in there. The Word comes forth from, the, from God that because of their unbelief that they will not enter in. 
And as a result, they wander in a desert for 40 years. Wasn't God's will at all. It was contrary to his will. They chose that. Thank God for his grace. And every one of them had to die before Israel could take possession of their inheritance. Well, 45 years after that, in Joshua 14, Joshua and Caleb have a conversation. In verse 6, it says, the children of Judah, this is Numbers 14, the children who praise him, the children who focus on the goodness of God and worship him with their hearts and minds and mouths, the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and their leader Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, says unto them, You know the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me, and thee in Kadesh Barnea. That was 45 years ago. He's been keeping the word of God in his heart for 45 years, surrounded by unbelief and complaining and people who wanted to stone him. Come on. You can do this. Caleb did it. You can do this. What am I talking about? Being victorious in the midst of persecution. Verse 7, he says, 40 years old was I when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to, to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was. Here's the key. Can we put verse uh, 7, Numbers 14, 7 up there? As it was in my heart. Hallelujah. What did I say the wrong verse? 40, uh, number, or Joshua, I'm sorry, Joshua 14, 7. 40 years old, Joshua 14, 7. Hopefully it's up there. Maybe I didn't put it in there. Um, as it was in my heart. Is it there? Uh, what am I doing? 40 years old. Yeah, I got a Joshua 14, 7 here. Maybe it's not. Oh, that's the NIV. Okay. I brought him at a port according to my convictions. Okay, this is the King James. I'm sorry. But I wanted you to see that as it was in my heart. To take possession of your inheritance, you must keep the word of God in your heart. And look at the benefits of keeping the word of God in your heart. Verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. Listen to this. Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon your feet have trodden. That's why God wanted them to go in. He wanted their feet to touch the soil. Because he knew when their feet touched the soil, it was theirs. He wanted them to take authority over that land. Hallelujah. Pay attention to where your feet are going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The feet of trod shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because thou hast followed the holy, the Lord my God. And now behold, this is Caleb talking, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 40 and 5 years. He's 85 years old. Ever since the Lord spoke this word unto Moses, this came through a human being. Caleb wasn't up on the mountain. He listened to the word of God that came through the, the, the man or woman of God, God brought into their lives, right? Yeah. He treated it as it was, the word of God. 
and now I am this day 85 years old. Look at verse 11. I want you to see this. This is your future if you'll just keep the Word of God in your heart. And I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was at 40, it is so at 85. For war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore, give me my inheritance. This is who we are. The word of God in your heart will make you strong. It will keep you young. It will keep you healthy. It will, it will restore your youth. It will bring wisdom to your mind and peace to your soul, health to your body. Don't you let anyone steal that word out of your heart. You keep what God has said in your heart. You meditate on it and cultivate it and let all the resurrection life in his word ooze out of that word from your spirit into your soul and into every part of your body and into every area of your life. And give me this mountain. Father, it is the day that you have made. The day that the Lord Jesus Christ purchased for us to take possession of our inheritance. And Father, we thank you for what you've given us. You've given us everything. And Lord, it's an exciting day for this local church. As we look forward to our next location, as we look forward to the building you've provided for us, Father. Not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit. And we thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Lord God. A, a, a powerful place, a place made for us a place made for us that enables us to do all you've called us to do. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for providing for us richly everything that we need, Lord. We thank you for meeting every need along the way. And we rejoice in you, Father. Your faithfulness is leading the way in our lives, not only as a church, but individually, personally. Your faithfulness is leading our way. This is a powerful thing. It is a marvelous thing you're doing. It is wonderful in our eyes, and we praise you. Hallelujah. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of his goodness, who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life he came to give you.